Tēnā koe, mai, haere mai, my name is Will Appleby and you're listening to Animal Matters. Aotearoa is back in lockdown following an outbreak of the COVID-19 Delta variant in Auckland. We'll bring you the latest news from the greyhound racing industry, the plight of animals in Afghanistan and some commentary from Susie Wiles on what to do if your companion animal breaches your bubble. Animal Matters is brought to you by Safe for Animals. We release new episodes every week, so make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at safe.org.nz forward slash animal matters. It's been a few weeks since the Greyhound Protection League's petition to ban greyhound racing was handed over to Parliament. GPL launched this petition last year, and SAFE has been supporting the petition ever since. Shortly before the handover, the report from the Greyhound Racing Review arrived on Racing Minister Grant Robertson's desk. This review was launched in April, following reports from SAFE of ongoing cruelty within the industry. The report was expected to be released last week, but unsurprisingly it has been delayed due to COVID. This isn't a huge surprise. As well as being the Racing Minister, Grant Robertson is our Minister of Finance and Deputy Prime Minister, so he has a lot on his plate. Issues from the greyhound racing industry continue to emerge though. On August 12, the Racing Integrity Board fined greyhound handler Francis McPhee for striking their dog across her hindquarters. The dog, Vegas Chops, had allegedly displayed poor manners and the physical punishment was in full view of spectators and broadcast across trackside TV. This wasn't the first offence of its kind for Aotearoa's greyhound racing industry. In 2014, a trainer was fined $300 for kicking their greyhound and in 2015, a $250 fine was issued to a trainer who punched their greyhound. McPhee was fined $350. It's the upper end of penalties for this kind of offence, but pretty meagre nonetheless. Many greyhounds develop behavioural problems because of their training and upbringing, and in any case, hitting dogs is simply unacceptable. Not only is it cruel, but ineffective. In the global racing industry, the use of horses in entertainment is under fire following an incident at the Tokyo Olympics. German pentathlete Annika Schlau has faced criticism after her treatment of a horse who didn't want to perform. The footage was broadcast all around the world, which showed the German Olympian whipping and spurring the horse repeatedly, desperate to get the horse moving. The horse, Saint Boy, wasn't having a bar of it. And fair enough. The German coach was also kicked out of the Olympics when she was caught on camera striking the horse. The incident brought into stark focus the treatment of animals in entertainment. It's a high-pressure environment for the humans involved. The desperation and devastation was clearly seen on Annika Schlau's face, who was in the running to win the gold medal. Tears were streaming down her face as she continued to whip and spur the horse. I don't mean to downplay her actions, But when you take that high-pressure environment where human athletes have the eyes of the world upon them, the expectations of their home countries, coaches, sponsors and spectators, and include animals in that environment, you can see how a scenario like this unfolds. And further to that, the horse was clearly displaying behaviour that indicated he did not want to jump or run, 
and yet event officials made no moves to intervene. The horse was forced to partake in the entire event. Annika Schlau has faced a barrage of attacks on social media for her behaviour, which is possibly a little unfair. I'm not going to defend her actions, but this is a small snapshot of the realities for animals used for entertainment purposes, where they're forced to do things they don't want to do. I'm less concerned with demonising this particular athlete and more interested in ending the use of animals in any sport. Otherwise, horses and greyhounds will continue to be physically abused by their handlers. On August 9, a new documentary series focusing on the dairy industry was released on TVNZ On Demand. Milk and Money is a six-part series produced by New Zealand journalist Baz McDonald and produced with RE News. Previously, McDonald has produced mini docos for content creation giant Vice and RE News is kind of TVNZ's answer to Vice. The series looks at the dairy industry's humble beginnings and how it grew to be such a dominant force in Aotearoa and the consequences of that growth. The environmental impacts of dairy is a key focus for the series. The final episode, though, unpacks the animal welfare side of the industry and the inevitable reality for bobby calves. Milk and Money explains that in 2020, 4.9 million dairy calves were born in Aotearoa. Exact numbers are not collected on the outcome of each calf, but industry lobby group Dairy NZ estimates that 27% were raised for beef, 28% were female cows to be kept by dairy farmers to replace older milking cows, and 4% were born dead or die shortly after birth. The rest, 2 million, were bobby calves, who were killed around a week after birth. It's another reminder for the public about what goes into producing every glass of milk they drink and every kilo of milk solids that are exported overseas. Overall, Milk and Money is enlightening and entertaining viewing. There's no obvious agenda. Baz McDonald is a journalist and grew up on a farm in Southland, surrounded by dairy farms, and he approached the show to get a better understanding of the industry and its impacts. It's very balanced, but the series doesn't pull any punches when discussing the negative externalities produced by the industry. Over the last week or so, Afghanistan has burst back into the headlines following the US withdrawal of troops and the Taliban's capture of the capital in Kabul. You're probably wondering why I've brought up Afghanistan on a show like this. Just bear with me. Nations around the world, with people still present in Afghanistan, including New Zealand, are scrambling to get their people out of the country, as well as Afghan nationals who have worked for or assisted foreign nationals over the last 20 years. Afghans who have worked as translators, for example, will likely be seen as collaborators by the new Taliban regime, and their safety can't be assured. Many Afghans with no connection with foreign nationals are also desperate to flee, The Taliban have blocked all commercial flights, and horrific videos have surfaced, showing people hanging off the wings of military aircraft taking off from Kabul. The images are frankly heart-wrenching. Amongst all of this chaos is a little-known animal sanctuary called Nauzad. Nauzad was founded by former Royal Marine Paul Farthing, also known as Penn. In 2006, during his deployment in Afghanistan, Pen Farthing and his troops broke up a fight between two dogs. One of them followed him back. 
The pair spent the next six months together, and the dog was given the name Nauzad after the town he was found in. At the end of Penn's deployment, he sought to bring Nauzad back to the UK. This motivated Penn to reunite other servicemen and women with dogs and cats they had befriended while serving. So he set up a charity, bearing the name of his companion that he met back in 2006. The charity works to improve welfare and relieve the suffering of animals in Afghanistan, providing care for dogs, cats, horses and donkeys in need. They've also reunited 1,600 servicemen and women with the cats and dogs they rescued and bonded with while serving in Afghanistan. It also has a treatment clinic, which employs Afghan national vets providing care to animals in need, and the charity is involved in training more than 100 veterinary students each year. Now Penn is desperately trying to get his team out of Afghanistan and rescue as many animals in the process. The charity launched Operation Ark to evacuate animals and it's chartering a cargo plane to do so. Some animals though are not fit to fly. Nalzad has already had to euthanise some animals that it knows will not be able to make the journey to prevent them from suffering when the charity is gone. The Taliban prohibited dog ownership when it was last in power so the safety of any animals left behind when the charity leaves cannot be assured. The geopolitics of the situation in Afghanistan are complex, and while I've been following the events unfolding there, I'm no expert on the subject and wouldn't purport to be. But Nalzad's story and the crisis they face is a stark reminder of the animals that suffer in war. Throughout human history, animals have been used in conflicts as weapons, for transport and hauling, for espionage and for morale. They are also forgotten victims. The human suffering in Afghanistan is almost too great to comprehend. I'd hazard a guess that the animal suffering is far greater. Unfortunately, animals cannot seek asylum. Before we wrap up, let's finish on a lighter note. New Zealand went into a level 4 lockdown last week following a positive case of COVID-19 in the community. It's the more infectious Delta variant, so in true New Zealand style, we didn't muck around. I've left the house twice in the last seven days to go get groceries and to go for a walk. The rules are pretty clear. All businesses and public spaces are closed, except for essential services. People are told to stay at home, keep within your bubble, wear a mask when you leave the house, and get tested if you have symptoms. What about our companion animals, though? There's not a lot of guidance on this matter. I have a cat. His name is Felix. He's a very fluffy long-haired cat and most people who know me are aware that I'm pretty obsessed with him. He's terrible at social distancing though. He got into a fight recently and had to go to the vet on the weekend. So it's indoors only for him for a while. What about dogs though? Well, well-known science communicator Susie Wiles was actually asked this point last week on Radio New Zealand's 9 to Noon. What you should do if your dog and, say, a neighbour's dog, break their dog bubble. Um, This is a question which a couple of people have been in touch with and someone says sorry for the first world question. There are no bad (laughs) questions. Um, But what should we do with things like dogs mixing with other dogs on our walks? Do we need to, uh, because there have been some cases of um, seemingly people catching them from their pets. I I mean, what do we do? Do we wash the dogs or do we not need to worry about this? (laughs) Okay, so we, so really, what we have seen is transmission um, from owners to their pets. So if you are, you know, I mean, if you're ill, 
keep your pets away from you. Obviously, if you're ill, you should be getting tested. And then if you are a COVID case, you will be um, you know, taken uh, to somewhere more <laughs> safer for you and for everyone else. Um, so this is much more... Uh, I don't think there have been any cases where um, anyone has picked it up from their pet. It's been much more the other way around. Um, so, you know, I mean, if you can keep your pets away from others, um, that's fine, but I don't think you need to be uh, to washing them on your, you know, on their return. Just making sure that you keep washing your hands, but it's much more about this kind of aerosol um, transmission. And obviously, if your pet does have any symptoms, you know, get in touch with your vet. We do know that they're much less likely to have those kinds of symptoms, um, but obviously, you know, take care of their health too. Thank you for listening to Animal Matters. This podcast is brought to you by Safe for Animals, New Zealand's leading animal rights organisation and produced by myself, Will Appleby. Make sure you subscribe to stay across Animal Matters on whatever your favourite podcast platform is. If you're listening on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. Until next time, mā